0: Chair Harris, staff is ready when you are.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, well, welcome everybody to the June 29th meeting of the Water Committee for the city of Sacramento. Madam Clerk, will you please call roll to establish a quorum.
2: Council
3: Member Valenzuela. Here. Council Member Vang. Here. And Chair Harris.
1: Present. Thank you very much. Um, I believe we've we've just got an hour, so why don't we roll right into item number one, unless you have announcements to read.
3: I have no announcements. Very
1: good. So we can move to item one, which is a storm drainage survey update and an oil report. Mr. Busey.
4: Hey, thank you, uh, Chair Harris and uh, members of the uh, committee. I'm Bill Busey. Uh, director of the Department of Utilities for the City of Sacramento. Um, we are going to have a presentation from our consultant team on the results of some uh, survey work that we've done with regard to uh, the feasibility and of our storm drainage rate adjustment. Um, next slide, please. Um, for some time we've noted uh, we've known that we needed uh, that we need a storm drainage rate adjustment. Uh, we had a, an independent audit done on the uh, on our drainage fund um, back in May of 2020. Um, the outcome and findings were expected um, that, you know, uh, around the year 26, 27, we will be exceeding uh, our revenues and, and uh, reserves, and the fund will go negative. Uh, we have a system that's valued at a little over $8 billion. To re, uh, and that's what it would cost to replace it. And we are not spending uh, enough money on an annual basis uh, to maintain that, that system properly from a capital improvement standpoint. Um, they determined that a best practice would be that we would be spending... Uh, at least $34 million a year on capital improvements, and that uh, we have a CIP currently a CIP backlog of about $300 million. That is based on uh, the, the current master planning that we've done, which is only about 35 to 40% of the system. Next. And there you see the fund um, going negative, uh, you know, about FY27. Um, This is no surprise. Uh, You know, we've messaged this before. Um, What is different is is that we've hired a consultant team to help us to move forward with the drainage rate adjustment. And one of their first um, actions was to perform a scientific survey. And so, I'd like to go ahead and turn the the time over to our consultant team now to uh, present the results of of that survey work. Hi,
5: is Jared Boygan speaking. Um, And Mindy, I'd like to ask if you could unmute the 415 number. It's better if I speak from the phone.
3: Um, Yes, I've sent you a request to unmute. You need to do that
5: yourself. Okay, thank you. Does that work? And can you all hear me now? Yes, we can. Super. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, So this is Jared Boygan with uh, TVWBH Props and Measures. As uh, Bill said, I appreciate that my internet connection may be unstable on the video, but the audio will work this way. Um, So we tested um, a goal. We had a goal of trying to identify $15 to $20 million uh, annually uh, as a uh, fee that would be paid by industrial, commercial, and residential property owners, Um, and the best practices for currently calculating those fees are to base it on impervious surface um, which is a little different from how the city has done it in the past which is based on room count Um, the goal of such a fee as as bill i know has and his team has explained many times to this group um, uh, protecting our local drinking water quality and supplies including safe clean water for droughts and emergencies um, preventing toxic chemicals sewage and even human waste from impacting rivers creeks and overflowing on a neighborhood streets and that's particularly important in the older areas of the city where the combined system is in place, Um, obviously replacing aging and deteriorating pumps, water pipelines, et cetera, that prevent flooding and and protect our local rivers. Uh, Next slide please, Tyler. So uh, in this survey, and in a minute, I'll turn it over to Kurt Balow from FM3 Research. He's gonna walk us through the results. I'm just gonna describe a little bit of what we tested. Um, we tested three different uh, uh, variations or alternatives uh, for the survey for the uh, potential fee. One is simply to replace the existing uh, room count uh, revenue stream uh, with a new structure based on uh, impervious surface, um, which more or less holds city revenues constant. It would hold property owner fees more or less the same, although you know when you shift. A cost calculation like that, obviously, you know, some people pay a little more some pay a little bit less, but basically that's a replacement only scenario. We view that as um, just kind of a data point to test. It obviously doesn't generate new revenue for the city. Um, An increase only, which is leaving the existing revenue stream in place and establishing a new structure, a new fee, new property fee based on impervious surface, um, as I described, you know, hardscapes, et cetera, uh, that would generate new city revenues um, in the amount of about $20 a year, which is what we tested in the survey. And then the third version would have done both things at once. In other words, would have replaced the existing room count structure uh, with something that is based on impervious surface, but also increased uh, city revenues. Um, so, uh, And I believe a, a simple summary of way to think about this is the replacement only would have been about $40 million in annual revenue, which is close to what the city currently collects. The increase would have been a 20 million increment on top of the 40 so 60 total but a new increment for property owners to consider of about 20 million dollars worth of revenue and the replace and increase model i believe we tested was about 50 million total in revenue in other words replacing the existing 40 and adding 10 more and then i'll give a quick note on the survey sample um uh, which is that when you are looking at impervious surface as opposed to room count, um, uh, you know, you're really focused primarily on property size for calculation. Um, the modeling that we, that our subcontractors use to create this rate model does not um, uh, assess every individual property, you know, with satellite technology or anything. We've, we've broken the, as is best practices in the state. And as it's consistent with a lot of, Of what happens around the state, we've basically broken the residential properties into three categories, um, less than a tenth of an acre, a tenth of an acre to a quarter acre, and greater than a quarter of an acre. Um, And you can see from this slide that 83% of your customer base fall into that middle category. Um, And this survey, it's important to note, is only the residential property owners, or uh, single, excuse me, single family properties. So multifamily, commercial, industrial were excluded as they're not a great target for this survey methodology. Um, We'll gather that input separately um, and can present it at a later date. But so about 83% of the entire, what you would consider electorate for a measure like this, the the property owners who can vote on it are in this single family resident category. And most of those fall into this single family residence category two, which is lots that are between a 10th acre and a quarter acre in size. And then uh, finally, um, the, this table, uh, and I know all of this is confusing, and Kurt and I are very happy to answer questions about it at the end of the presentation, but uh, uh, this table kind of summarizes the type of rate increase we were measuring uh, in terms of the impact to actual property owners. So um, for that middle column, SSR2 rate, uh, which as I described in the previous slide, is the bulk of your property owners. So about five out of six property owners fall into this category. Um, the replacement only we tested uh, language that said it would cost you about it would cost you eleven dollars and fifty cents, which is about the same uh, as what you're currently paying or most property owners would be about the same. The increase we tested an increment of a new six dollars monthly. in the replace and increase scenario that I described earlier, we tested about fourteen dollars and fifty cents a month for the you know, the single family resident two properties, which is that middle column. And then you can see the rates for the other two uh, categories of of residential properties. But again, remember that the SFR two, that middle rate that are properties between a 10th acre in size and a quarter acre in size, that's the bulk of your property owners and the bulk of your customers. So that middle column uh, represents the bulk of what people were reacting to in the survey.
1: So Jared, just to make it a little more simple on replace and increase for sfr2 the net increase in the monthly bill would be about three bucks
5: in sort of i mean remember that the the current charge is based on room count it's not based on lot size uh-huh. so it's actually a very complicated conversion you know some people who have large lots have a few rooms, and some people with uh, small lots have lots of rooms. And so that's not exactly a one-to-one conversion. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's why we ended up having to test it. Uh, you know, that's why the replacement costs look higher than the increase only, because in the increase only, we leave that existing revenue stream in place. Uh, we don't bother with converting it. And we simply tack on a little bit of new money based on a new way of calculating the rate um, to try and generate some money for the capital improvement program uh,
4: but generally you're correct um, obviously uh, 1450 is three dollars more than the current you know what those m- most of those customers are currently paying right. and that uh, that
1: would only net you another ten million dollars annually Compared to the 40, we actually need. That's Correct. correct.
5: And that increase, right, and that increase only scenario, the middle one, that's where we'll probably spend the most time today in the survey results, which Kurt's about to present, because okay. of the scenarios we tested, it generates the most new money mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it has some promising results. Okay. So with that, I think the next slide, uh, Kurt, uh, you wanna jump in here?
6: I will. Thank you, Jared. Um, Kurt Bailow from FM3 Research, uh, happy to present this short summary of the survey results we conducted. Um, just a few notes about the methodology. We completed the survey back in April. It's what we call a dual mode survey, the two data collection modes where we did some telephone interviews and some online interviews. And this, again, echoing what Jared noted a minute ago, this is just what the single family property owners here. So this was. You know the bulk of your property owners but still a not the the full set uh, in terms of the methodology itself we conducted 1200 interviews essentially 400 in each of those three different um, options so for any results that were across the full sample it's about a three percent margin of error when we're looking at the specific rate proposals keep in mind that five percent margin of the sampling error tyler go to the next slide please <clears throat> So here's the language. Um, from those of you who are more familiar with traditional ballot measures that you, you vote on in June's and November's, you have a 75 words and it's very predetermined sort of how you structure those 75 words. Here, there's a little more flexibility to use multiple complete sentences to make it less of a run on. But we went through and described sort of the benefits of, of this and then for each of those split samples. So for 400 respondents, they just got the replacement only language and so on for increase only and replace and increase. Um, We were able to tailor the language that each respondent either heard or or read um, to be specific to their current fee versus what their new fee would be under the new scenario. So the notice for replace only, we have what your current fee is and what your new one would be. Um, For the increase only, we are essentially silent on the existing fee and we're just talking about what the increment would be. Uh, And for a place and increase, we again did the current fee plus the the new combined fee. Next slide, please. So this is what you all have been waiting to get to, which is, well, how did response to the survey, these single family residential property owners, respond? Um, And it actually worked out almost exactly as you might anticipate, to some um, replace only. So that is just basically trying to keep the, the city whole there. 63% of respondents indicated they'd vote yes. It's a two to one ratio more than the no's, uh, including a little more than a third, 35% who are definitely yes. Um, In the middle category here is the increase only. So they were not asked, they're not told about the current fee. They're just talking about the increment. That's at 54% yes. So a little more than a majority there. And then at the replace and increase. So they're seeing the biggest number of those three options those property owners were almost almost even split there, um, 48 to 44. Uh, and in fact, there was more intensity on the no side, 32% definitely no compared to 25%, definitely yes. So it really is sort of shaping up as there's a, a high, medium, and low option here in terms of viability amongst this subset of property owners. Um, next slide, please. <clears throat> So it's a follow-up question, and we combine these across all three different versions. But we ask respondents, hey, you said you do it, yes. Tell us why. They either said it on the phone or typed it in online. And we do our best to, uh, to aggregate those into different categories. This is as much art as science, and the percentages often add up to more than 100. Um, but you'll notice that sort of clean water really jumped off the page to respondents here. Um, and then also some generic feelings about, well, we got to do something. And sometimes they weren't much more specific than that, Uh, as well as a few comments about, well, it doesn't seem like it's a big increase. Um, There were not as many things that were, you know, people who used the word infrastructure or even flooding uh, on top of mind. Uh, Next slide, please. We did the opposite for those who said they'd vote no. Again, across all three versions, we're combining it here. Um, There's definitely a gut feeling that the money's already there. Some sort of Generic. There already is sufficient money, or there's poor management at the government levels, which is pretty consistent responses and to a, a no vote for anything. Um, and then a few different sort of anti-tax, anti-fee sentiments. Those were the main, the main things. No one was it didn't seem like the opponents were dismissing that it was needed. It was more of there should be sufficient funds to do this, and we shouldn't increase taxes and fees. Next slide, please. <clears throat> So the last section I'm going to go through here is we presented um, a list of different ways that the, basically what, what you would get for this. Um, and some of these are specific things the dollars would be spent on. And some of these are more of the end product, the benefits of that. And we re- presented them in random order to respondents and said, well, that size language is what it is, which is provisions from projects. What, how important is this to you? Extremely very somewhat or not too important in our work, we tend to focus on those who think, think something's either extremely or very important, the more intense reactions, and those are the darker blue bars. Um, you'll see there's a top two here. Um, and actually, maybe Tyler, if you advance it once, you might get a really fancy graph. Oh, yeah, big fancy graphic there, dash red line. But you see those top two, um, where you had more than half of respondents who said they were extremely important, and that is keeping sewage out of rivers and creeks, protecting drinking water quality. Those are not specific things, the dollars will be spent on. Those are end products, right? You maintain the system. You make those capital investments. You secure the system. Ultimately, what you're doing is protecting water quality in, in some regards here. And this is what would jump off the page. But a number of these other items were not too far behind, which is protecting the rivers, the delta, um, keeping waste off the streets. You see a lot of those sort of end products there. I think there's maybe three slides in this series. Maybe Tyler if you can go to the next one. So, again, these are still things that are still seen as particularly important. More than 7 out of 10 respondents said these were either extremely or very important. Those darker blue bars are getting a little little smaller, but are still more than a third. Um, Here's where you have flooding coming in here, references to aging pipelines and infrastructure, levees. Those sort of items were clearly kind of in the second tier behind some of those bigger water quality and protecting on the the river and deltas. Uh, Next slide. This is the last of of this series and I'll wrap this up quickly here. Uh, Still pretty much everything and no one's dismissing any of these priorities here. Those orange bars, those who say it's not too important, very small, but the intensity starts to, to get down a lot lower. If we're just talking about upgrading and maintaining local storm drains, which is ultimately a lot of what this is about here that specific thing is nowhere near as intensely uh, important as the, what the benefit of that is. Uh, you'll note at the very bottom here, we also talked about the, the recreational impacts, and that was sort of in a different lowest tier by itself. So I think that gets us to um, quick conclusions here. Uh, one more slide, yeah. So if you're looking through this at the, at the top level here, we want you have to get to you know 50% of, of people who would respond to the, to the election. Um, saying they vote yes, and the replacement only or the increase only, those scenarios reached that threshold, um, and the replacement increase didn't get there, and there was more intensity on the no side. That doesn't really appear to be a particularly viable option right now. Um, when we looked at the cross tabs, the support for shocking, the smaller property owners was higher than those for SFR three. Um, those are the ones who would see the biggest rate increases. Um, so there was support was a little bit lower there so clearly the, the amount does make a difference here. And just and the big picture without reading through all these is those protecting rivers, creeks, drinking water quality, things of those na- that nature um, really resonated much more strongly than saying something like fixing the, the storm drains. It doesn't mean that's not what you do, but that's just in terms of how um, the communications roll out and how different um, property owners respond to those. So. I think going forward, we we are the consultant recommendation is to, to continue to look at the replace only and increase only options and, and put that third option perhaps aside for now. So I think Jared, Bill, I think that's that's the end of the presentation. So open for, for, for questions
4: and discussion. You're on mute, Jeff.
3: Yeah, Chair Harris, you're on mute.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, Committee members, do you have any questions or concerns? I see, oh, my, you have your hand up.
3: I do. Thanks, Chair Harris. Um, First, uh, Bill and FM3, thank you so much for this presentation, really insightful um, as we think about how we move forward to really address the deferred maintenance that is directly needed. Um, I just had some questions and comments um, regarding the survey in particular, and wanted to know, um, uh, and I, I did see that staff did send me uh, an email before this uh, regarding just the demographic breakdown of the respondents, and wanted to know if the demographic breakdowns of the respondent uh, mirrored the total number of single family property customers um, wanted to know if, if, if there was some oversampling that needed to be done um, I, I know that we have a hundred and 40,000 plus customers but since this was really focused on just single family property customers wanted to know if that demographic of respondents reflected the total number of single family property customers.
6: Yeah, so there it's a great question. There isn't a very precise um, demographic profile exactly of all the single family residential property owners. But it is, to your point, very different from the overall census numbers. So if you look at the overall census, you're getting people who are renters, non-property owners. You're also getting younger people who aren't even adults. Um, and so as you sort of narrow, you're taking a smaller, smaller slice, that demographic is going to look a little bit different. It's going to look, obviously, older, uh, longer-term residents, and fairly fewer people of color, just given the transitioning dynamics in demographics in, in Sacramento. So what we did is... For any other types of surveys we've conducted amongst similar populations, there were not perfect analog- analogies. We try to use those as um, as helpful guideposts for setting some of our quotas, um, and we also looked at the extent we could filter some of the census data. We did a little bit of that as well. Um, it is a also when we actually do the final, if there's a, a final survey here in the election, it is based upon who actually responds to those mm-hmm. mail surveys. So it's a little bit different population even that. But yes, and I, we can provide you happily any of the results of those demographic breakouts if that's something of, of interest.
3: Yeah, thanks, Curtis. I am interested in that because I do think messaging matters, and depending on who is receiving the messaging matters and how they and how they vote, okay. right? Um, and so I do appreciate the recommendation, but I, I think it's also just, and I don't know what the demographics are for the single family property customer so I don't know if the respondent is reflective of that of the majority of those voters um, would be good to know about that um the other piece I just want to um just to reconfirm is that when the survey was taken we I think you have the 15 20 million annual was that the number that y'all were using um when the survey was being conducted that that was like kind of the target number I just wanted to confirm that yeah I mean I
6: think Jared went over this a little bit here the increase only gets to around a $20 million more. And the increase in replace was around 10-ish. And correct me if I've got that wrong, Bill or, or Jared. So no, I, I think in some regards, the, the increase and replace combined puts everything on much stronger footing all for all these different reasons, but doesn't generate the increment as much money as a replace-only scenario. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the replace-only scenario was at least at 54% support, so that's you know, a good place if we're trying to maximize your ability to cut into that CIP deficit.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Thanks, Curtis. No, this was really insightful. I think for me in particular, I think um, there is a costly danger of deferred maintenance. Um, And I think staff, um, Bill, if you correct me wrong, it's been 25 years since we've actually had a drainage update um, and it's very much needed. I think the failure to perform any needed repairs is going to cost us more in the future. And so, uh, you know, this is urgent um, and we have to do what we can um, to figure out how we could um, have of a steady um, form of revenue coming in to to support um, an infrastructure. I wanted to know, Bill, you did share in the beginning kind of how much um, it costs in terms of our infrastructure and what, what it would cost. Do we know how much deferred maintenance compounds and costs each year? I'm just curious if you know that answer.
4: Well, mostly council member, I'm, um... I, I don't know the, the exact answer to that. I mean, obviously, uh, the cost is going to go up because of inflation. It's also going to go up because next year we're going to have deferred maintenance that, you know, wasn't on our radar or wasn't necessary this year. And so that does compound is exactly how it compounds. You know, I can't say. I do know that we have, as you saw there, hundreds of millions of dollars of, you know, of backlog. And we're to the point right now where our capital program is basic, basically it's basically funded out of our reserve
1: mm-hmm. and it's
4: based on on projects that we feel are crucial and that we basically just can't in good conscience, not do because of the risk. Um, and so that's where we are in our capital program. And obviously that's not a, a sustainable, you know, that's not sustainable.
3: Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. Um, You know, it it is very unfortunate that we waited this long, 25 years, 1996, uh, to do an adjustment. Um, And we have to ensure that we have infrastructure in the city that doesn't sell our communities. Um, And, Chris, I really appreciate some of the insight on the survey response, you know, 80% overwhelmingly saying they're in favor of protecting local rivers and providing safe and clean waters, right? So we have an idea in terms of messaging and what we need to do to reach that 50% if we go with option Two, which is the increase, um, you know, if I'm looking at the two options and I know that we have to move forward on a plan to dive in a little bit deeper um, to maybe sort out some more messaging. But I would be in strong support of moving on an increase because we can't wait on this. The other question I just also had is that I'm wondering, um, it is urgent because if we are to move forward with this. This would come as a ballot to um, the property owners in February and March, right? Is that correct? Can someone confirm that?
4: So- Councilmember Bang, we're working with the city manager's office on a on on a schedule for this. There haven't been you know final decisions made on that, but we are going to be making them very very soon. If we did stay on the current Mm -hmm. schedule, um, then yes, we would be planning on on bringing uh, doing the ballot, you know, sending out ballots in you know early 2022, the January February timeframe. Uh, but again final decisions are are pending they're very close you know on that
3: okay that sounds great bill um because it is just around the corner when i think about it the next couple of months is going to fly by really quick and we're going to need time for the city to just do education purposes uh to the property owners um and so glad that the that you're speaking with staff and figuring this out on next steps um the other thing i just want to share with my colleagues is to think about is also i'm I'm curious to also know this is the water committee but just what other increases that the city is considering as well so as we're grappling with you know if if we move forward with this what other kind of increases that we're also doing and maybe this is something we can't answer here but i just want my colleagues to think about that um and among all the consideration for increases i do think this is a big top priority of mine and should be for our city given 25 years since the last adjustment so um those are my comments chair harris and um looking forward uh, I'm, I'm thinking about direction i think it'd be good for the water committee to to get an update just on next steps it sounds like with our consultant fm3 there might be some more diving in um, and bill just mentioned that those conversations are happening in terms of next steps so i think keeping the water committee appraised of that would be important and and on timeline so
4: thanks, thanks. Councilmember. and uh, all, the only thing I'll say is we're going to know soon okay. and so I think that we can message with this committee through email okay uh, to, you know to give you updates you know our next meeting's not for another two or three months and we definitely want to communicate with you before that on this
3: yeah thank you bill thank you chair Paris
4: you're welcome
1: Katie did you have anything you wanted to say before I jump in
0: no, I got a very thorough briefing from Bill and his team before this meeting and the presentation was excellent. So looking forward to engaging on the next steps here. Thank you. Okay, great.
1: So my in answer to your question about other pending increases, uh, road repair is a major one. And, you know, it's infrastructure that very similar to storm drainage uh, adjustment uh, has really not been done for a long time. And the last time we got more money for roads was SB1 during uh, Governor Brown's tenure. Prior to that, all money was going towards making roads and no money allocated towards maintaining them. So our PCI index is going down quickly. That's what the SDA measure is all about. But even that won't get us to where we need to be with roads. It's entirely possible at some point we might consider a parcel tax because otherwise our road condition is gonna go down and go down quickly over the next few years. Uh, I do have a question for either Jared or Curtis, and that is this, Uh, the increase only is great. You know, if we could pull in another $20 million, that will help, but it won't solve the problem. That means that we would be looking at a further increase down the road. My question is this, if we do increase only without doing the replacement, does that set us up poorly for another rate increase in the future? I mean, basically, predicating it upon room count rather than impermeability. Um, You know, when you looked at the increase and replacement together, it sounded like from your report that it sets us up better for the future. But interestingly, the increase only is something that might pass. So um, can can you just address that?
5: um sir this is jared boygan i'll take a first crack at that and kurt if you have anything to add you know please jump in um i think you know these things are tricky uh they're not you know as uh you know kurt showed in the survey results when we start talking about you know pollution and protection of rivers and and sewage you know it's, it's very much top of mind to people but if it's just flooding and storm drain you know it, it 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 isn't top of mind to people as you say chair harris with you know regard to roads and schools and other things that you know, voters and property owners are asked to pay for. So um, it is definitely, you know, looking around the state at, at other measures like this, you know, the art of the possible is really um, kind of the key to getting these, you know, increments into the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty encouraged that, you know, we, we tested something here that, you know, it's not 40 million in new revenue, but it's about 20 million in new revenue. Uh, and that, you know, could go a long way, as I know, for Bill and his team. Um, I know that there are, you know, outside folks, you know, labor and others that are, you know, be interested in that kind of, you know, uh, capital investment uh, and and might get behind it. So, um, you know, my experience kind of getting the first one done is the hardest. And then if you're able to do the first one and show a good track record uh, that you did what you said you'd do and you made a lot of progress, then it's possible to come back and do another one. uh, You know, that's, again, a modest increment. Um, I think one takeaway from these survey results is that asking for too much at once is probably a non-starter that it's just simply the dollar amounts got too high, um, you know, for individual property owners to think about, uh, you know, at a certain point. And so we're kind of have to take it probably in vice, um, but doing one uh, that's an increment, that's meaningful, where you can show success and demonstrate, you know, this money was valuable and we, we made a difference with it. You know, I think that's probably the best, best you could hope for that, uh, that could be effective.
1: Okay, well, so Bill, moving forward, what's the inclination of the Department of Utilities? I mean, uh, I take it you would not turn down $20 million a year if we were able to get that onto a ballot. Is that the inclination?
4: That's correct. Uh, so
1: vote increase only. Yes.
4: Yeah, that is correct. We, we cannot continue with nothing. You know, we have to have something. And if this is what we can get, then that's what we want. Um, And so, yes, we would definitely be in favor of moving forward with that, uh, with with that proposal. So the next step then is to bring this to council. The next step is first this, the city manager's office and the, and the department of utilities to make some decisions Mm -hmm. about the best way to move this forward. And then yes, to apprise uh, this water committee and city council of what we are intent, you know, the, the, the schedule and what we're intending to do. Okay.
1: Well, if I'm reading uh, my committee correctly, I think we're in concurrence with that. So uh, let's move forward with that. And I see we have no callers on this item and we have another discussion item to get through that's kind of meaty. So uh, if you're all good, I think we can go ahead and move on to item number two.
4: And uh, Bill, are you taking that one or is Roshni? We'll go ahead and start off with Rajni. And um, again, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I know we shortchanged Rajni uh, last time, but I'd, I'd ask her to be brief so that we can get to the discussion on the urban water management plan.
1: Okay, so this is an update on sustainability and water efficiency
2: efforts. Yeah, um, Mindy, are you good to up, put up the slide? Thank you. Um, Good afternoon, um, Council Member um, Chair Harris and uh, members of the Water Committee. My name is Roshni Das. I'm the Sustainability Manager with the Department of Utilities. Um, At the last Water Committee meeting, um, uh, there was a request to come back and continue the update on the sustainability effort. so that's where I'll focus. Next slide. So, um, you know, one of the strategic goals adopted by the department is uh, sustainability, and we have captured some um, short-term and long-term action items in there. I'll highlight some of our key initiatives in the next few slides. Um, So, one of the uh, the photo that you see on the slide is of our uh, 35th Avenue demonstration garden. This project was completed in. March of 2020, right before the COVID shutdown. Uh, this new landscape, if you have not been to the uh, 35th Avenue campus, is an educational place for water wise features like river friendly la- native land plants, bioswales, permeable pavers, rainwater harvesting system, that's what you see in the picture there, and various water efficient irrigation technologies and systems. Uh, there are interpretive educational signage throughout the site for public to walk around and learn more about them. We have also set up a website that allows for public to do virtual tour of the facility and the various features. Um, you know, Last year, the COVID has had um, uh, some impact on our programs. Uh, we were able to hire an analyst last year, but uh, not able to bring Civic Spark fellows. So some of our new initiatives from last year have been moved on to this year, and I'll walk walk you through some of them later in this uh, presentation. Um, The next item that I wanna talk about, the sustainability policy, I have brought that to the Water Committee before. Uh, We we identified three main goals uh, for the department on carbon neutrality, climate resiliency, and equity and environmental justice. So the policy has been finalized and is going through final review uh, uh, for adoption. The next one I want to um, highlight is the city of Sacramento's uh, American River Basin climate change study that we did. Uh, Next slide. So we finished up this study in um, early this year. Uh, the study developed future climate scenario scenarios for three periods ranging from 2040 to 2099. Uh, the consultant has developed a tool to allow easy retrieval of this data for review and use by DOU staff for various planning and project considerations. So we looked at everything from air temperature to precipitation increase and to heat wave increase. It's a very useful tool. and demonstrate what those increases looks like, and we can change and modify the settings to uh, really understand the implication for the department and the city. Uh, We actually trained the staff on this tool in April of 2021. Next slide. So, um, uh, we have also developed a 2021 DOU sustainability plan which walks us, um, you know, kind of outlining various efforts that we will be focusing on this year. This includes our ongoing activities like greenhouse gas emission reporting and verification, um, energy audit of our treatment plan, water conservation program and work on the onsite water reuse feasibility study prep work. Um, We have have been approved to hire two Civic Spark Fellows who will start in September, and they will focus on two projects, namely, which is a Sustainability Action Plan, which is a roadmap to achieving our policy goals for the next three to five years. And the Sustainable Infrastructure Rating Assessment is to help the department understand the feasibility of complying and certifying our infrastructure projects with sustainability rating systems from the design to construction to uh, maintenance um, and operations. So that's that's kind of like the very high level update on the sustainability policy. Um, next few slides, I'm going to focus on the water efficiency, the dry conditions uh, that we are facing. Next slide. So as you know, California is squarely in second consecutive dry year. Governor Newsom proclaimed a regional drought emergency for the Russian and uh, Russian River watershed in Sonoma and Mendocino counties. Um, Initially, And then he expanded it to 39 counties, including Sacramento. The governor's proclamation directs the state water board to consider modifying requirements for reservoir levels and diversion limitations to maintain water supply, improve water quality and protect cold water pools for salmon and steelhead. The state of emergency also provides flexibility to expedite um, the review and processing of voluntary transfers of water from one water right holder to another, enabling available water to flow where it is needed most. Uh, meanwhile, Region Water Authority also um, asked its uh, purveyors to conserve water in several ways to help the environmental health of the Lower American River, such as asking customers to reduce their water use by 10% um, or, and to use more groundwater to lessen the demand on surface water sources like our rivers. Next slide. So, this uh, slide shows the Folsom Lake storage level, which has been in the news a lot. So, I'm not sure, I, I'm sure I don't need to capture it a lot here. It is at 36% of the total capacity, as you can see in this um, graph. Next one. The city and uh, the department has been, um, you know, we, we support the regional water authority's position on reducing regional water use and we are making proactively making lots and lots of changes. One of our major uh, shift has been in uh, changing our drinking water productions to dra- divert less from the American River and more from the Sacramento River and groundwater wells. So this you know, will reduce the diversions to by about 30% from our historic practice, uh, which leaves more water in the river, keeping water levels higher and temperatures cooler to help fish populations. Um, We are currently using 25% less water per person than before the drought in 2013. This is mostly because we have kept uh, our stringent two-day-per-week watering schedule. We retained that from the last drought um, shortage declarations. Um, And... uh, on top of that, we are increasing our outreach campaigns like radio sports, digital billboard ads, and utility inserts and educational webinars to educate and communicate water efficiency to our customers. Um, City has also increased patrols, water patrols that focus on educating residents about using water efficiently and to avoid water waste. And um, there are no fines issued at, or, fines on these water patrols or notice of violations at this time um, and even then we use the fines only on the most egregious violations um, then um, the other item that we are um, implementing is we are going to implement um, doubling our incentive rebates offering starting of July 1st. We are spiking this up on a temporary basis from July 1st to December 2021 to incentivize more residents to make those changes in their turf conversions, irrigation upgrades, and those kind of projects. Uh, We are also um, working with SMART to offer some plumbing fixtures and products on their platform for free um, later in the July month Uh, so we hope all of these measures will um, help um, you know improve help and educate the residents about water efficiency and that they can leverage these funds to implement them during these dry conditions and more dry actions drier actions are coming soon um, which I don't think we have time to go into so that's that's my presentation
1: Thank you very much Roshni Um, you know it's it's more appropriate at this meeting than it was at the last meeting because conditions have changed remarkably and quickly uh, since our last water committee meeting. Uh, Any comments from committee members or actually you know what we have a caller why don't we take the caller first Mindy.
3: Thank you may I have the caller please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee.
7: Yeah. Hi. My name is Chris Brown. Um, I'm an expert in water conservation and um, a general supporter of the information, although I haven't seen the entire presentation because it was done verbally and I was still running while I was waiting online. I have two (laughs) major concerns here with these kind of presentations without having a written document to look at. Basically. You don't know what's going to happen you don't know really what staff is going to tell uh, this committee here are a couple things I heard that I think you should ask uh, harder questions about first of all the American River Basin study uh, is n- not accurate it used data from about 15 years ago and it projected uh, drought and uh, severe climate impacts on drought on this region 70 years in the future there's better data more recent um, that should have been used in that model. Um, And these kind of comments have been given to the study uh, managers, but we don't see them reflected in documents like the urban water management plan uh, that are gonna be considered later today at city council. Um, The second comment is the per capita number that I saw presented was compared to 2013, 25% below, But in fact, the city got lower than that in the subsequent years, that's eight years ago, and then per capita use has risen in this region. So I think you need to ask staff to show uh, more detailed data in the future so that we can really have a feeling about when we're doing well. You know, I support the programs that uh, Ms. Dawes presented to you. I think the city is probably one of the leaders in this region, but um, there were some problems with the presentation. Thanks for giving me a chance to make a comment.
1: All right, thank you, Chris. Uh, we'll certainly take your comments under advisement. And, and you know, actually, Bill, with our agendas, you know, uh, putting out a copy of of the sustainability plan I think would be a good idea. We'd probably stimulate more public interest if we presented the information in our published agenda, so that people did have that information to chew on previously. Uh, To Chris Brown's comment about us getting to a better GPCD number and then increasing, we did but only very just slightly and it was really because 2016 was a very wet year and people relaxed a little bit and it's understandable that they did but notably the city of Sacramento even in a very wet winter did not back off on the two two day a week watering plan and helped train our constituents to adopt a lifestyle of better water usage and more conservation. I think we did the right thing. In fact, I know we did the right thing. And I'm very proud of our city for maintaining those numbers, even when there seemed to be an abundance of water. And what this shows is that because of climate change, we're likely to see boom and bust years with water. That's what all the science tells us is that we will probably see Uh, you know, severe storms, and we will see periods of severe drought, and that those those extremes will probably get more over time. Katie, go ahead.
0: Thanks, Chair. And yeah, just this is a perfect dovetail off of where you just left your comments, which is to ask staff to respond a little bit to this question about data, because we are in uncharted territory in a lot of ways as climate change progresses and as the water conditions tend to fluctuate more extremely. Um, as we're seeing now, Uh I'm just curious about that data point and what data, how we're trying to adjust our estimates um, for future as, as new data comes in and um, just in general, how you all are approaching this sort of ongoing challenge of trying to plan um, for an unpredictable future.
4: So I would ask uh, Brett Ewert to first uh, take take a stab at that.
8: Sure. Uh, good afternoon, um, Chair Harris and Water Committee. No, that's that's an excellent question, Council Member. The well, first and foremost, uh, you know, we'll be um, considering adoption of the Urban Water Management Plan here, probably within the next thirty minutes. <clears throat> One of the things uh, we did receive some comments uh, from interested parties uh, pointing out their concerns about the data for the American River Basin Study. Uh, one of the things that we did that was allowed by, by you know, the deferral of this item until the 29th is we did add in some references for, for other climate change studies. I think my understanding is that some of them suggest it's a more accelerated rate than perhaps contemplated in the American River Basin Study. In terms of planning, you know, it's, it's, it's multi-pronged. Um, Certainly, our conservation programs continue and and are being enhanced. We are investing in a more resilient water system. This might mean groundwater wells to rely on, kind of like in conditions like now, when snowpack just didn't materialize the way we thought. So we will see an enhanced investment in our groundwater program. We are looking at enhanced programs at our surface water facilities. Um, This might just also be quality quantity not just you know or quality and quantity i mean i think we've all seen reports on the you know the earthy taste in the water um that's a byproduct of these warmer conditions and so we would consider again quantity but also quality katie anything further
0: no um i think i just I want to thank you for that work. I know I was going to bring this up under the water, sustainable the urban water plan item, but um, you know, I think these conversations with stakeholders across the community and with other groups um, are going to become increasingly important as conditions change and as information changes so rapidly. Um, so, just want to thank you for that work, and um, yeah, hoping knowing that we will continue this conversation long beyond today. Um, just uh, want to state my support for this continued recalibration that we're gonna be in until we hit a stride here. So thank you, Brett, for um, what you did there. Um,
1: appreciate it. Thank you, Councilmember Member Valenzuela. Uh Council Member Vang, anything to add?
3: No, no comment. I just wanna thank staff for all your heart and your hustle. Um, and thank you for uh, the, the presentation. So looking forward to our future conversation. I think um, we have a lot of work ahead in front of us. So thank you.
1: There will be more discussion about this, of course, at Council this evening on the urban water management plan and the water shortage contingency plan, which is buried in the report, which is, I think, a real crucial piece. And we'll be diving into that a little deeper. Bill, did you want to talk more about the urban water management plan here at Water
4: Committee? So we had planned on messaging that, uh, Council Member uh, or Chair. I I think we're, we're given the time. I think we can defer that to the city council meeting. Um, and I think that that'll be fine. Okay. Well, one thing that
1: some mention has been made in the general media, but a lot of people don't fully comprehend is that this is an unusual drought here, something that we haven't experienced before and that we had a pretty good snowpack, about 80% of what would be normal there for a period of time. But when it melted because of elevated temperatures and extremely dry soil conditions, we didn't get the inflows into our reservoirs that our water managers expected. And I think it caused uh, a bit of alarm, quite frankly, that inflows that we would normally have anticipated didn't materialize. And there was a very intense discussion at the Regional Water Authority with many water managers present about, the ramifications of that and how to manage, um, you know, how, how the uh, Bureau of Reclamation is going to manage storage in our reservoirs, trying to maintain water temperatures for fish, trying to flush out the delta. It's, it's all a very complex system, but, um, you know, we, we are up against a scenario that we really haven't faced before. And so it's taking people with the knowledge of, of Brett Ewart to understand how to manage our systems, how to manage our water and our municipality to the best advantage, but it's really a regional approach and it has to be a regional approach, especially in terms of conservation. So uh, that's that's really the gist of what we'll be talking about a little bit later at Council and uh, I welcome the discussion because this is, you know, not only an existential situation, but it's also very fascinating, you know. The history of California is based upon water wars and water management. It's really the foundation of our state, and uh, it's a, it's a very deep discussion overall and a fascinating one. Uh, Mindy, do we have any comments on matters not on the agenda?
0: I have no callers.
1: Very good. Any final comments by committee members? Okay, I think we're all good. Uh, We have council in about four minutes. Actually, Mindy, you're probably going to need 10 to change over, but um, thank you one and all for attending. Thanks to the caller for calling in. Roshni, you're brilliant as always.
0: Thank you. Bill
1: Bill and Brett, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you
4: soon. Thank you, everybody.
5: Thank
8: you.